Bonjour and welcome to the podcast Call My Accent, your cultural guide to the show Call My Agent and all things French and Persian. We'll be answering all the questions you've been asking yourself watching this French hit TV show. I'm Julie, your French connection to the stars. And I'm Nana, the Danish girl on a mission to uncover all the show's hidden details. So grab a croissant. Or a Danish pastry if you prefer. And let's get started. Here we go. Hey, Julie. Hey, Nana. I have a confession to make. Okay. I've been keeping something from you from episode one. All right. So I had someone come to me and say that they really thought Cecile de France was Kate Winslet. No. (laughs) (laughs) So I was right. Not, we'll have to see if more people chime in. Okay. Okay. But uh, it was so cute. She was saying that she was like listening to the episode and right before you said it, she was thinking Kate Winslet. Wow. This person and I are just connected. (laughs) Are you proud? Yeah, kind of. I didn't expect this. But uh, see, even if they're not the exact same age. (laughs) It works, but they're on the same level. But also I had some people telling me that they were a bit confused about the name of the podcast versus the name of the show. Okay. I suspect they haven't watched the show. Yeah, um, I'm impressed by the fact that even listening to the podcast, if they didn't watch the show, that's that's amazing. We have some amazing listeners. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really, to be fair, it's really similar. It's only one or two letters. Yeah. But for the record, what are we called? Call My Accent. Yes. And what is the show called? Call My Agent. Amazing. And what is it called in French? 10%, (laughs) which means 10%, which is the title of the British version. Does it make sense? Yes. And the reason it's called 10% is because that's the normal rate that agents charge stars for their services. Yeah. So I don't know if it's true for everything but in the world of the show call my agent that's what they say and also in the world of call my accent yes exactly (laughs) i hope to get 10 percent of uh, i don't know what my (laughs) way please give it to me (laughs) because i guessed kate winslet (laughs) i'm so impressed but yeah will we get into it yeah so today we are talking about episode three from season one so this episode centers around the famous mother and daughter duo Nathalie Bay, who is Matthias's client, and Laura Smet, who is Gabrielle's client. Nathalie Bay, who is the mother, is a really well-respected actress, and she's been around forever. She actually did act with both uh, mainstream and art house projects, so she's one of those people who is well-respected. She's been nominated to the César countless times she got the price uh, for it a few times as well and um, she's she also got really famous she was with Johnny Hallyday this very famous uh, French museum uh, museum uh, musician <laughs> this very Does famous he belong in the museum now or what what's that Freudian slip about yeah probably yeah he's basically a museum uh, but yeah he died a few years ago and it was a huge institution for, for France and French music. And uh, the daughter, I, I don't know her as well. Uh, her name is Laura Smet. 
And she's also quite famous for being, you know, the, the daughter because she's the, the fruit of this union. So it's, she's always been, you know, really intriguing to people growing up uh, under the spotlight and becoming an actress uh, herself. Yeah, because I was wondering, like from an outside perspective, you really don't know how, like, are they equally famous or is one way more famous than the other? So Natalie Bay is famous. Like I wouldn't say like huge star, but you know, people would know her name for sure. And Laura Smet, she's famous for being the daughter more than anything. She's been she's been in movies, don't get me wrong, but she's she had a few scandals, so she's more famous for that, in my opinion, than oh, for yeah. her work. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> you want you want the 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 tea, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she had some addiction problems. I remember because sorry, Laura, I doubt you listening. But anyway, <laughs> ten years ago or something, she was found completely drunk and naked in the streets of Paris. Jesus. Yeah. So I think she had that problematic childhood. <clears throat> You know, being the the kid of two famous artists so must must not be too easy sometimes. And she had that issue. And also when Johnny Hallyday died, there was this huge scandal in media because it was basically the kids of Johnny Hallyday versus the widow of Johnny Hallyday. Oh, wow. And it was like this really messy relationship. I didn't follow it too closely, but I remember Lohas made posted on Instagram saying the widow was not doing the right things, that she was stopping certain things. She was trying to cut out the kids and everything. So, you know, messy and public death and the aftermath of it. So awful. I was expecting some more fun (laughs) (laughs) scandals, not these uh, devastating ones, but it's great to get the context of, yeah, it's all those things you wouldn't, it would be such a hard thing to know if you are not French. Yeah. Like you see this all the time, especially if it's been, you know, the way you said that the relationship between um, Natalie and Johnny Halliday was sort of propelling both their fame, like this power couple mm-hmm. union, but then the attention a child gets from this can be so extreme. Yeah, for sure. But she she she's doing okay because I was looking at her filmography and she's been in a good few movies. I can only remember one movie with her that I watched. And it's just a little funny anecdote because um, she's in this movie called Yves Saint Laurent. So it's obviously about the, <laughs> the designer Yves Saint Laurent. Uh, it's a biography, a biopic. And it's a really cool movie, but I was in Paris when it came out. And with my friends, we went to this, um, you know, showing of the movie in this really, really busy theater. Because it must have been the first week, because I remember it was completely packed. And we were sitting down. My friend is like, who's behind us? Look, 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 who's behind (laughs) us? And it was actually Jean-Paul Gaultier just behind us watching the movie about another designer. I thought it was quite funny, but yeah. That is funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like us. Like coming from maybe a different country than France, I think we've just been so used to seeing these brand names, but I never really knew who's actually behind them. Yeah, yeah. No, I recommend this movie actually because he has quite an interesting life. I think it was described as even in the crowd, he looks so lonely. Like, so he was really 
He was a fashion icon, but an interesting character for sure. Yeah. I need to watch this movie, but it's uh, <clears throat> there's lots of stuff to pick from if you want to explore more with these two actresses. Like, yeah, Natalie Baye has had a, such a long career. Yeah, she she's in so many movies. I I saw her in the movie called Venus Beauty Institute. It was it was quite good. The Young Lieutenant, which is good as well. And then she's in Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, Did I saw that? that. Yeah, and she's also in Downtown Abbey, the new era, this new movie. So. <clears throat> yeah, because she looked super recognizable to me actually, but I I wasn't I I couldn't place her. Yes, yes. Who do you think could be the Hollywood equivalent of this duo? Yeah, so I really <laughs> looked into it. I googled like famous mother and daughter. <laughs> Me too. I'm excited to see. Do we have the same one? Like, honestly, I couldn't find something that is too close. The only the only one I can think of, because the dad is super famous, is... Um, Vanessa Paradis and Lily Rose Depp, you know, the daughter of Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh, yes, true. Yeah, but it's le- it's lower key here with Natalie Bay and Laura Smith. Like, you think they could be comparable, but just not at the same fame level? No, and then don't do the same thing. But I think this kind of pedigree of huge stars as parents. That's a very good suggestion. I was thinking a little bit in the same lines but I come like my first thought was Goldie Horn and Kate Hudson yeah. but I did, I wasn't sure at all because I I couldn't figure out who are more famous uh, like between Laura and Natalie or True. are they equally famous but I sort of thought because they because for Goldie Horn and Kate Hudson they're both famous in their own right they don't have the same last name as well so you wouldn't necessarily know mm. that they are mother and daughter but that's a good point that's before i knew all of this yeah no for sure yeah that makes sense they are from families where everyone is someone then i also thought a bit maybe someone like lisa bonet and zoe kravitz because oh, yeah. then there's the famous musician dad element as well true Zori Kravitz is a bit cooler though. <laughs> Sorry, Laura. <laughs> Do you think so? Yeah. I she mean, is very cool. Yeah. But yeah, so not there's not a clear cut parallel here, but yeah, you guys tough. get the picture. The storyline involving them is that they really want to do this movie, especially Laura Smet, who's been apparently fighting to get that new movie from this genius director mysterious yeah. director nana you can probably tell us a bit more about this but there is a catch they have to spend three months together non-stop and they both explained there was an incident in the past where they had to be together for a little while didn't go well so they know it'll be damaging their relationship if they are locked up together yes and it was interesting because they i think they were both excited at first yes but then they started thinking and they were a bit more like, this won't work. <laughs> True. And yeah, you can tell they make a point of showing us like that they like each other and they're happy to see each other. But, you know, w- would you do, would you be <laughs> for three months locked up somewhere with your mom? That's the real question. I think actually we would be fine, but I I think it's more the whole being isolated from the yes. rest of the world. 
but uh, this did sort of happen to me during COVID. Oh, yeah. I was involuntarily staying or living at home (laughs) against against my will. I got stuck there for Mm. nine months. It was... It was a brilliant time, actually, but I was going crazy by the end. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I thought it was very interesting the way they presented both characters, because the first thing we see of uh, Laura's met is that she's reading a magazine in the agency and she's sort of fool- fooling around with Heavy. They are, you can tell that she's very relaxed and cool and... She's also on a first name basis with assistants and agents and everyone alike. For Natalie, there was also quite an introduction because she comes in and sees that um, Sophia is practicing her lines and she just goes in and is able to uh, recite big chunks of the seagull by uh, Chekhov. And she sort of helps Sophia with her lines. I thought she was portrayed as this brilliant and experienced actress and sort of like a proper and classic lady and the lady of her generation true no that's but that's kind of who she is and also not like this star obviously she's an accomplished actress but she's not on the side of being a total diva you know she looks approachable she looks like you could have a conversation with her easily like she's not taking herself too seriously it's funny how the fact they have both different agents. So Laura is with Gabrielle and uh, Natalie is with Matthias. And you can see the opposition here. Like, you know, that shows a bit about their personality here. Totally. And I think it, this is something this show does a lot. It it uses these clear-cut personalities to constantly draw up these parallels. Mm. They play with it a lot like what kind of star would go for this type yeah. of agent and who wants the ruthless agent who wants the cuddly one yes exactly but another thing about natalie is also how they do cement her as a very motherly figure as well she's True. like winning over sophia in two minutes and gives her really useful advice mm. but we also see this other side of the coin that she you know parenting slash correcting <laughs> laura in a way she's uh, that is probably feeding into her decision of not wanting to spend three months shooting with her true she has this thing about her posture yeah she she keeps uh saying this typical mom kind of comment you know <laughs> it's not like oh this is a horrible mom no exactly <laughs> she she's just I don't know. I'm sure your mom always comment on a certain thing and my mom always comment on that thing <laughs> that uh, when I go home is just so funny, isn't it? Do you have anything come to mind? I think it would maybe be the weight thing or, you know, really? or you look tired or something like this, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's always, it can be a real confidence boost going home sometimes, <laughs> right? But she doesn't mean like it badly, just like... You look tired. Do you sleep enough? Do you eat enough? (laughs) But they are mothers. Yeah. We get a lot of glimpses into mother-daughter relationship in this episode. Yeah, and it's it's, uh, interesting as well. But yeah, so they're so worried about doing that shooting, but at the same time hurting the the other's feelings 
that did decide to ruin their audition. So they both have a different idea. While Nathalie is going to say, I'm going to play the bad actress for you, Laura decides to <laughs> play Paul Bardot, as it's uh, <laughs> translated, so Brigitte Bardot. I didn't know she had um, she was uh, famous for tantrums and stuff, but yeah, appar apparently so ask for ridiculous things uh, during the audition and act like a real bitch. The way they decided to both flunk their auditions was great because we know that Natalie is a brilliant actress because that's the first thing we see of her. She comes in and she's so confident mm. and she helps Sophia becoming a better actress. And we know that Laura is not a diva and she's so relaxed and chill yeah. and cool and is... You know, she would never buzz anyone around. Yeah, no, true. But I, I even thought that uh, Laura's audition was funnier with her weird demands and Pharrell Williams' call in the middle of it. I thought with the Frenchest accent on the other line, I thought it was hilarious. It was. This was the funniest moment for me. It was like started right away with her picking up the phone and her radio's going, hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, do you want to come to my concert tonight? But Gabrielle is like on doesn't know what to do because it's like this woman is flunking on purpose a, a role she's been pursuing forever it was so funny i know it was interesting to see actually that uh, matthias was the one who was more relaxed yes. with losing a really big opportunity for his client whereas gabrielle was really not condoning it yeah but it's probably also because natalie is more established than laura true and i think they even had a quick line exchange between Natalie and Matthias where he said I'll be in touch regarding some other movie yeah so it's not everything on the line no definitely not but yeah but it works because the director is disgusted with both of them <clears throat> so she's not she's a very hard woman to impress yes she's a bit scary <laughs> for sure Matthias is telling Andrea and Gabrielle hears the conversation and hears that Natalie Bay won't do the movie. So he's like, I better do something for Laura because she won't do the movie anyway. So he gets in touch again and goes into this weird conversation saying that actors in France need to be like absolutely desired and <laughs> she she shut herself in the foot or something because this is what they do when they really want something. So she needs to do the audition again. Yeah, he is, he calls it a two two way audition of sorts. It's like the actress testing the director to see are they really wanted for the role. Yes, and she failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was great bullshitting from Gabriel. To be honest, yes, he's pretty good at bullshitting. He doesn't think he's good, but he is actually. Yeah. But it's all, always coming from Hervé. Uh, also, he's always like the little voice whispering <laughs> this, you know, kind of Matthias ways to to Gabriel. He's, they, are, they work so well together. They're a great duo. Well, yeah, so Akafel agrees to see Laura, but because she hears this, she's like, well, I better see Natalie Bay again. So <laughs> back to the start. They have this proper audition together this this time and the director wants both of them and says that she wants to see the love and hatred they have to for each other 
because they feel they don't want to do the movie. She she saw right through them, and that she wants to see the monstrous mother and the insufferable daughter. To this, they don't react well at all. Natalie is defending her daughter, and Loha is defending her mother, saying like, "Yeah, but that's normal. Like, if I can't fight with my mom, like, will who will I fight with? Like, which is a good point." This sort of uh, little tiff they have probably is uh, nowhere near what the plot of this movie would have been. <laughs> True. Like, how can she see this? Uh, But I think this woman sees ugly everywhere. The movie sounded interesting. They said it's about the isolation. Um, mother and daughter fused together on Bergman Island and the magma of their egos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you interpret magma of their egos? Yeah, volcano of emotions. So Ackerfeld, she is not a real director. She's fictional. Um, but I think, Nana, you might have a theory about who it could be or who she's inspired by. Well, a very half-baked theory. <laughs> but I That's was... our favorite kind of theory. <laughs> yes. I was very confused, first of all, because I thought this is the most Scandinavian name, but she speaks fluent French, so that mm-hmm. confused me, first of all. But you are able to tell me that she is not French, right? Yeah, she has an accent when she speaks, but it's quite subtle. The movie is meant to take place on what they call Bergman's Island. Mm-hmm. And then the second I went into Google, is there such a place, I come across this other movie called Bergman's Island that was from a couple of years ago yeah. by another woman with a really Scandinavian name, Mia Hansen Löwe, mm-hmm. but she is French. Yeah, she's French, yeah. And she's done a good few movies. She, Yeah, she's known in the... But yeah, maybe that's her. They are definitely drawing on, you know, if not Bergman and a Bergman-inspired or Bergman-esque yes. contemporary. Yeah. yeah. The movie doesn't happen in the end. All all of this for nothing. And Alit <laughs> is probably summing it up the best to Matthias and Gabrielle because they've been a bit fighting and rivals during this episode she's like if you just talk to each other we could probably have had one of these actresses on the movie you know it wouldn't be such a a shit show so true she always comes in and drops her wisdom or truth bombs yes and in the funniest way as well and you you think what a life she had (laughs) because she she says I don't like the size contests outside my bedroom. <laughs> it was such a good line. Like, yeah. it's one of the best. But yeah, that's kind of the end of this storyline. Um, but what really shakes up the agency on top of this is that there is going to be a tax audit on the firm, on the agency. And it's um, a catastrophe because uh, <laughs> the tax audits uh, are supposed to be ruthless in France, like for businesses. So Andrea and everyone in the agency is ready to do anything to stop this. They're really scared of it. It shows you like how France and French administration works. It's quite funny. Like you always have those little ways to go around the law and, you know, to call a friend of a friend and make sure you don't get in trouble. So she even calls an ex to negotiate something and it doesn't go too well. 
Yeah, and there's another funny line here as well, because yeah, Matthias says, so sleeping with a man won't have been completely in, va- in vain, and Andreas says, no, just boring. <laughs> True. She's completely able to flirt and win over both men and women. But it doesn't work with that guy, though. <laughs> no, uh, no, I thought it's such a short scene, but I was quite intrigued by this character, actually. Clement. Clement, yeah. Clement. <laughs> Clement. At, at first you think he's going to be swayed, but not at all. Because <laughs> it is revealed that Andrea dumped him to to sleep with his sister. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, I thought it was really interesting uh, persuasion techniques because she asked him, do you still enjoy the cinema? Yeah. And then she tries to offer him uh, exclusive tickets to Cannes, all the best parties and a room at the Carlton. What I found, or what it felt like, was that you know, the, even the line "Do you still enjoy the cinema?" It just mm-hmm. it sounded so French to me. It's like as if it's a passion online with uh, when when guys love football. Yeah, but it's true. Something everybody does. So I think very few people wouldn't see a movie once in a while, you know, and. Those guys, obviously, Andrea and this guy, obviously hooked up because they had that in common, maybe at the time. Because I also think it's the whole lifestyle around it. You know, the way she was saying the best parties and no lines and stuff. So it's like this exclusive world that maybe even money can't buy. Andrea asked this guy about Colette because she has the name, but she doesn't know who she is yet. I can't avoid it, he says, but I'll try to have her replaced because she's so eager to kind of show she can do it. But then she comes in and she's cute. And Andrea (laughs) sees her and is like, ooh, hello. Yeah, and she comes on so strong. She calls Clement straight away and uh, cancels the deal and also finish it with give your sister a kiss from me. <laughs> I know, like what a bitch. <laughs> like, but, so she's like, I don't care about the tax audit anymore. I'm so horny. Right. I'm going after her. That's how I saw it. But yeah, she approaches uh, Colette and doesn't recognize her because in case you don't remember, Colette was on those um, websites in the previous um, episode she was talking to Andrea and Andrea eventually told her off. Yes, she said the thing about, I don't like little girls like you. Yeah, so she, Andrea doesn't recognize her, but Colette, you can tell, recognizes Andrea straight away. So Andrea tries to seduce her a good few times during the episode, like it's in a weird mode and it gets <laughs> worse. What did you think? I, do, I can't figure out about the dynamic, like, of of course we we know now we're gonna see a lot more to Colette throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the series. I was actually really surprised that she was that she already turned up now in the third episode because mm. I I didn't think she would come on until way later. But that's because they're gonna do the whole back and forth thing. Yeah. They are very interesting couple because they play on this a lot with Colette being young and unexperienced. Mm. Whereas uh, Andrea is seen as a much more aggressive type. Yeah. Yeah, she's just a bit shy, Colette. Like she's, she wants a relationship and Andrea has obviously been sleeping around and is not too interested 
like she doesn't want a relationship by the sound of it from what we could hear in the previous episodes and what do you think andrea wants out of colette right now is it just a one-night stand or do you think she is sort of more in like interested in something more yeah i think she's intrigued that especially when colette tells her off because she seems so soft and nice that she's even surprised she's you know saying listen stop your games i don't like when uh, clients are pretending to be my friend to get some favors i see you <laughs> it's not gonna happen so at at the end of the episode uh gabrielle is asking her do you want to go for dinner and andrea is obviously thinking and is thinking about her and you i think she likes her she couldn't articulate it that she wants something more because that's not her type but uh, i think she's very intrigued it was so funny as well andrea's character because you know the second um colette confronts her about having called her a little girl in the past yeah. and she says something like oh i didn't mean it like that i should i should have put a smiley or yeah, something you know? know so like, she just tries to wiggle her way out because i would be appalled if someone called me out on this yes i know i thought she was like a predator like you know especially that bit when she sits on her office and it's like oh we can talk a bit you know i'm just i'm just here to know you a bit better and like i thought my thought was like if she was a man we would be worried yeah that's a part of andrea's character that is maybe not the most nuanced because in some cases it feels like they just wrote her as a female guy do you mm. know what i mean yeah for yeah so what do you what do you think of colette and andrea do you think of them as a good match like here from based on the first episode i think when i first saw it probably because I always love a good romantic uh, line in, in a show like this. Seeing it again, Andrea is a bit strong. And the Colette is, is so uncomfortable. Like it, You can tell like she, she's standing strong, but still, like you can tell it will replay on her mind later, if you know what I mean. But I think she's also interested. Yeah, she is. <clears throat> but I'm so interested to talk more about this as the show goes on because i really don't know what i think of this yeah. dynamic and relationship oh that's really interesting especially yeah, as a gay couple we don't have as many examples on screen yes what is your sense of how it was like in french cinema before this well we know that blue is the warmest color happened so i think it was from what i remember there were gay relationships on screen before don't get me wrong but i think that was that movie that kind of opened the gate to actually real representation on screen you know that was the movie that kind of created all the the ones later who would have like regular gay characters not just once in a while you get me i think it was roughly around that time as well maybe maybe two years earlier but the movies can sometimes make room for the represent representation to begin with but what i like about the relationship here and the and andrea in particular is that it's not a big deal at all like yeah and it's not the full center of the of the action if you know what i mean yeah and her character yeah it feels very sort of realistic and the same way a heterosexual character would be portrayed in terms of love interest and 
Yeah, we will need to to ask someone from the LGBTQ plus community. And uh, we haven't talked about Camille, who is also having a little, a little episode of her own. She gets tickets from Matthias, tickets to go to the César ceremony, which is the Oscars equivalent in France. <clears throat> And I thought it was actually so cool that we got to see a bit of the awards because they have talked about they've already talked about it so much and someone like me who don't really know this award or the spectacle around mm. it it was interesting to see what it's like but it also felt a bit like oh we'll conveniently now place the the awards here in this episode because none of the other characters were focusing on this award taking place no, true it was like <laughs> It was like Amy was the only one going. Well, I'm sure Andrea was going. I'm sure yeah. Gabrielle would go as well. Like it was, yeah. Or even the actresses. Like there was a bigger spectacle out of Samuel's funeral than the César Awards. <laughs> it was a bigger event than the César. <laughs> And is sure. it a, it's a yearly event. It's a yearly event. It's, uh, yeah, it's very important. It's very important because... French cinema, like you said, is so important in French society. Like people follow it. Uh, I've never watched it myself because it's supposed to be a bit boring. Um, everybody in the industry would go. Can't imagine not going. And this is why Kami is so excited because she's never been. She's from the south of France, so for her, it's like a dream from when she was a little girl. And she, you can see her getting changed in front of her mom who is on Zoom, and it's yeah. really cute. Like She's like, oh yeah, I'm going there. The, the style in Paris is more subtle. I don't want to look trashy. You know, she wants to fit in. Yes, I love that scene. It felt like such a realistic way to portray this um, long-distance mother-and-daughter relationship that she's sort of, she's a part of everything she does, but they can't physically be together yes. right now. yeah. And I thought it was interesting that we're showing her mother for the first time in the same episode of this mother relationship, yeah. you know, theme, basically. And you can see kind of the same thing going on between the two actresses compared to Kemi and her own mom. Yeah. Never look trashy. Valentini woman, never look trashy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was such a small scene, but it showed a lot both in terms of what we've talked about before as well, this sort of um, binary between Parisian people and French people. Yeah. So, and it's obviously playing on Camille's mind because she's worried she won't look fancy enough. Yeah. And that's when her mother is being like is so supporting and, uh, and a bit feisty and just like, of course we do. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And... I totally can relate to this because um, I, I am not from Paris, but I lived there and I was working in media. So I went to some of those fancy events and you're not, well, I've, I was not used to it uh, growing up in, in Brittany in the northwest of France. So you do want to look good. You do want to look like you belong there. And I see myself getting ready like this as well. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any tips? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it's just wear black. That's the go-to in Paris. That's what I can tell you. But she looks, she looks beautiful. 
She does, and she's so cute going in the César ceremony, you know, going on those uh, stairs. She sees uh, Gilles Lelouch on top of the stairs. He's a famous actor, and she fa she's fangirling and yeah. actually approaches him, which is quite funny, and he's like... <laughs> And doesn't say anything, so he's like, okay, I'll go now. Yeah, so there's several ways that we see it's still very new to her, like also the fact that she has to take the metro. Yeah. So the mother's like criticizing Matthias, why yes. is he not picking you up? But at this point, Camille is really like, she's starting to feel closer to him. Yeah, but the mother actually foresees what what's going to happen and say don't expect anything from him because she predicts what happens later in the César. It's the yeah, it's the last thing she says and cuz she she had a funny and very mom uh, line where she warned her before leaving don't drink too much, don't take cocaine or drink any Red Bull. <laughs> But then on the a, same level, those three things. <laughs> yeah. That's such a thing with parents. I think they have, like, of course, this is um, this is exaggerating. But uh, sometimes parents don't have any idea what is like what is actually dangerous. Yes, <laughs> Red Bull is definitely more dangerous than cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably same level. Probably same level. Yeah. Yeah, as a true mother, she does know that the biggest danger is getting hurt by Matthias. So true. And she's right. Because when Camille is introduced to that producer, Dominique Besnéard, uh, she understands that suddenly that Matthias brought her there, get her this internship on this new movie to get her out of the agency. But just a little anecdote about this Dominique Besnéard character. He's actually the creator of this series. Yeah. And he's also Laura Smet's godfather. So it's all like a full circle here. It's all connected. It's so all connected. And Laura Smet growing up wanted to be an agent first before she became an actress. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So They're so closely linked in uh, in Paris, it seems. Mathias only got her there to try to get her an internship on that new movie. And we see her later hungover on the roof of the agency saying to Matthias, listen, I understand if you don't want me to be here, just tell me, but I want to become an agent. And it's actually when we realize that she's very serious about this job. It's not only to get close to her dad at all. Or to get close to the stars even necessarily. She, yes, she's driven by this. Yeah, and it's a good scene for her. She. You can tell she realizes it as well that night that that's what she wants to do. It's really impressive to be so young and know exactly what you want because uh, I feel like one of the reasons I am where I am today, which is nowhere, it's <laughs> like I could never bet on any one horse, you know. <laughs> yeah, because we learn in this episode she's 22. Like, I know. So funny. And she knows she wants to be an agent. Yes, and like I think I would be easily persuaded by some producer gig at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It sounds like a cool job. <laughs> That's what happens with Camille, but not only. Because in this whole ticket-giving situation, so Matthias gave her the tickets by putting it on her desk. And Noemi sees Matthias putting the tickets on the desk and becomes very suspicious. She has been suspicious already because she saw them <clears throat> together a couple of times and you can tell her instinct is telling her something is off here. Yeah, I think if we, if you 
picture it from her point of view, it must look really dodgy. True. Especially when she's in the only assistant getting a ticket and she's the newest one. Yeah, exactly. And because Camille doesn't know this yet, she proudly opens them in front of, you know, Naomi and Herve and they are like, straight away quizzing her why did you get tickets no one no assistants get tickets True. <laughs> and then yeah. she is uh, trying to lie she's not as good as bullshitting yet as Gabrielle <laughs> or Matthias but she is saying that Andrea Andrea must have thanked her for helping her fix a blouse and giving her a pesto recipe I know and even starting with Andrea wanted to thank me was a given that this is not what happened <laughs> Because this is not Andrea's style to give a little gift to say thank you. Exactly, yeah. It's getting increasingly difficult for her to conceal her identity. And, you know, because we see her getting closer with everyone at the agency, Mm. getting chummy with both Sophia and Harvey. True, yeah. But uh, and Noemi confronts her. She, She goes to her a bit later. And says, listen, I, I know I know Matthias gave you this ticket. Why? Like, It was so aggressive. So aggressive. <laughs> and she's so jealous as well. Like, it's not only I'm curious, you know. I know she is so jealous. So it feels like it comes from a really dark place. Yeah, not a pretty one. Yeah. And Camille sort of tries to dismiss her but sees uh, she really she keeps pushing her like yeah and she's like i'm gonna tell andrea that you're spying on uh, on her for him and she goes into ridiculous places and she's like bribing her basically yeah uh, so Camille has no choice but to lie about something less compromising let's <laughs> just say for her so she says she's a she's the daughter of a talent in the agency yeah and he's married he has kids so nobody can know and that person she doesn't say who it is but there is this picture of christophe lambert so christophe lambert is an actor he's a french american actor actually and he played tarzan so i don't know if you noticed but (laughs) that picture is clearly from tarzan (laughs) which is a funny one to say that's my dad Yeah, which like Naomi just jumps to this conclusion by seeing the photo and then she says that they look like each other, which they actually do, I thought. I thought it was actually plausible. Yeah, more than Matthias anyway. (laughs) True. (laughs) Yeah. And she she totally changes attitude. Like she's like, oh yeah, it will be a little secret. Don't worry. And I love your dad. And yeah. I know. Freaking hypocrite. (laughs) Massive hypocrite. But yeah. I think she reacts this way both because she's relieved and because she's starstruck then at the same time. True. And sort of, could there be a bit of like um, class as well in terms of, maybe class is not the right word, but that um, she has more respect for Camille all of a sudden, knowing that she's like sort of famous. Yes, exactly. No, I totally agree. There is this element like... Oh, you're not just this nobody from outside Paris and outside our world. You actually belong here, you know. She has a lot of growing to do, our Naomi. True, but she'll get better. She'll get so much better. (laughs) (laughs) We find out more about Sophia as well, who managed to do something for herself by putting her picture 
in that audition portfolio in the previous episode, she got an audition out of it. Incredible move. But Gabrielle is not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but uh, you can see, I thought I really loved uh, the scenes together because she has absolutely no issue going up against him. Yeah, she has basically no respect for this guy. <laughs> no. Because like, that's not how you speak to your... It's not her boss, but still like... Boss adjacent. Yeah, he's higher in the hierarchy of this agency or whatever. Who who is even that boss now? Like, is it not the four agents? That's the problem, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because this agency is so messy in terms of HR anyway, so... (laughs) HR and taxes. And taxes, yeah. They have issues. But yeah, like, she she completely goes mental at him and says, like... I've asked everyone in this freaking agency to come and see my play and nobody will like. She's probably fed up at this stage. She wants, she's really looking for things to happen. I can relate so much to this, you know, after having done things sort of half for so long. Half try, yeah. Yeah, half try, waiting for opportunities. She's done waiting, like. But yeah, good for her. Yeah, because you can tell... Even later in the episode that she was at the end of the rope. I think she was kind of, okay, this is my last thing. And after I'll move or I'll stop trying this freaking demoralizing auditions. That's the vibe she gives. So yeah, it decides to go to see the play that is obviously in the middle of nowhere, like in a faraway theater that nobody goes to and sits down and finds out there's no intermission (laughs) for this two hours and a half play. He fell. He falls asleep. Wakes up listening to Sophia singing this beautiful song, and the light on her. Like this is actually quite beautiful the way they they did it. But you are only interested in her, like watching this play by the look of it. And later on, does this monologue, and Gabrielle is absolutely captivated by her beauty, and thinks that she's only speaking to him. She's great. Her she's such a good singer. She is, and she has that presence. Uh, I don't know. She just, you just want to look at her. Yeah, and her voice, like even speaking voice, mm. I, I love it as well. It's this sort of deep female voice. Yeah. So Sophia can't believe that he came. They, we see them walking to the metro station, and he's still in shock by what he just saw. Yeah, he, he looks like a bit like a guy who I don't know so gets hit by a, the lightning or something. Yes, but I wonder as well, like, or maybe he hasn't been finding his clients this way in a long time. Maybe they have mm. all been coming to him, and he could just pick out of a bunch or something. Mm-hmm. But this is going all the way down to basics and seeing an up and coming staff at the purest form or something like that true and probably gives him a bit of life and motivation for his job who got maybe a bit boring and repetitive and more administrative and less creative absolutely and filled with all this drama yeah so he tells her that he wants to represent her she goes away you can tell how what it means to her like when she leaves on the metro yeah. It's quite touching, I thought. 
And then here at the end, we get this kind of weird scene where Matthias meets with the head of a competing agency called Star Media. You can see Matthias would be interested, but he, he hops into this taxi and sees the four ghosts, three other ghosts of the agents and Camille looking at him and clearly his conscience is, is uh, talking to him. Can he actually do it? Can he actually leave the agency and his family? They must have all been working there for so long when it's it seems like a massive decision. Like nowadays people change jobs in a heartbeat, it feels like. Or maybe it's just a Dublin thing. True. But I feel in those creative in that creative world, you put so much time, energy and passion into him, even him, because he's not the passionate type that there's something a bit more personal than just living your facebook job if you know what i mean <laughs> yes i do know what you mean <laughs> oh i do know what you mean <laughs> they decided to use this method of telling him how he feels by breaking the fourth wall and and having the other agents uh, stare directly into the camera as he writes along what did you think of this uh I liked it actually because, uh, and plus, it showed all the characters exactly where they belong. Like Gabrielle again on his scooter, <laughs> and uh, Andrea on, on her desk. I think no, she was actually in her sofa, oh, which was okay. strange. Yeah, but maybe it showed that she was working after hours. Yes, and uh, of course, Alet with her dog. Um, I thought it gives a bit of more humanity to this character even if he's a shady dad he still has a soul but because uh, i when we were talking earlier you i thought you didn't like it but i realized now that was the whole bridge scene you hated which one the bridge scene you know oh, it's not that i hated it just i thought it was a bit much you know yeah <laughs> you thought like it was like putin mitten i don't know <laughs> His advisor from the KGB or something. <laughs> yes. What's the name? Like Deep Throat Meeting yes. uh, Bernstein and Woodwater. <laughs> exactly. Like information confidential. <laughs> and you know, they they don't face each other at some point. Like it's like it's proper gangster <laughs> gangster shots are right there. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's a tough business. Well, it is. It is. <laughs> There were a good few messy relationships again in this episode. So I think it's time for a call my HR moment. Yes. Because, boy, there were a few. <laughs> so for me, it was tied between, and it's two serious ones for this one, Andrea assaulting Colette yeah. and Naomi harassing Camille. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree. For me, it's definitely Andrea sitting on the desk and saying, yeah, we can just talk to Colette, who is clearly not interested and a bit freaked out by Andrea. Yeah, like she literally shouts, go out and, and close, like, because one really creepy thing that Andrea does is shutting the door behind yeah. her. It has massive uh, predator vibes all over it. For sure, yeah. So then um, Colette is like shouting something like, open the door or leave the door open. Uh, do you remember? Yeah, something like that. She clearly is very uncomfortable. So, yeah, 
Ik zou een niet vinden. Very, very, very urgently there. Noemi is also a bit scary. Yeah, I agree. She is so scary. So, like, when she wants to be, she can be really scary. Like, sort of this um, vibe of a uh, woman murders. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she has the vibe of woman, a mistress murders wife, sort yeah. of. She she is intense. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, you looked, uh, you looked, uh, You raised your eyes or something. You raised your eyes and you blinked or whatever she says, like in body language, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I was thinking she definitely watched this show Lie to Me or something. Yeah. Did you? I think it was out around the same time definitely. or a few years earlier. She's obsessed and she's <laughs> testing all the theories on her co-workers. <laughs> But you can tell as well, like, Matthias can't go two steps without her mm. knowing where he's going. Like, he was leaving those tickets on Camille's desk and she's straight away like, oh, did you need something? She's a bit of a stalker. <laughs> Big stalker vibes. Yeah. But yeah. And what about the Frenchest moment? So the Frenchest moment for me in this episode was the whole uh, tax audit business. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree here. I didn't even understand sort of the fundamentals of the audit because, uh, like, from an outside perspective, it seemed like it's something you have to do only if you're unlucky <laughs> or if Gabriel <laughs> forgets to send a letter. Exactly. Apparently, yeah, it's a random thing. So, you know how you have tax, you 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 give your taxes away for businesses every year and stuff. So most of the time i would imagine that it is assumed to be true but once in a while because you have probably a lot of fraud you have a tax audit <laughs> on the unlucky <laughs> business of the year yeah it seems very scary there's a lot of mess to clean up after samuel's death i yes i wonder how he got by all these years probably just by charming slash threatening people Yeah, he knew he knew everyone, so that probably how he got away with it. And he probably knew that guy that Gabrielle was supposed to send a letter to. I don't know, I would imagine, but Gabrielle <clears throat> messed up. So that's it, folks. Thanks for listening to Call My Ex and don't forget to hit that subscribe button and please leave a review. You can follow us as well on Instagram at Call My Accent Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, remember to ask us at callmyaccentpodcast.gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Fini, Friday, done. <laughs> It's just so cute.